I plan to go to law school after I graduated, but uh, looks like my folks won't have enough money to put me through college. Well, the world needs ditch diggers, too. Entrepreneurship, scaling business plans. Then I became the CEO man. Are you ready to be mentored by some of the best minds in entrepreneurship in the world? Then you're listening to the right podcast, Ditch Digger CEO. We're going to be interviewing CEOs and founders who will be telling their amazing, rags to riches stories. These entrepreneurs who dominate the industries they serve will be sharing the secrets to their success. We'll be talking to millionaires and billionaires. Many who started with nothing. You're going to be mentored with golden nuggets of shared experiences from my guest, whose time is worth thousands and even tens of thousands of dollars per hour. I started in the paving business right out of high school. And with no college education, mentorship has been my education of choice. I started over 25 companies in the last 20 years, have generated over $1.5 billion in revenues. My guarantee is this. If you listen to Ditch Digger CEO and you want to be more successful, you will become more successful. The secrets of my success and for many of the world's greatest business leaders will be revealed. Let Ditch Digger CEO mentor you. I'm here today with my buddy and my partner in True Mentors, Quentin James. Oh yeah, man. Quentin James, my buddy here, is going gonna, is gonna to help guide me through this thing. Uh, in, in this podcast, I'm actually the kind of the interviewee, right? In, yeah. in the future, though, and no more of this. In the future, <laughs> I'm going to be interviewing other people. I'm excited. Uh, and then we've got uh, our other friend, Chris Broadhead. Chris is, uh, uh, is, is a great guy, actually a mentor, uh, a mentor, a mentee within True Mentors, um, our, our nonprofit organization that Quentin James runs, as well as the CEO of Suit Social. So Suit Social is an organization that does podcasts. And, yep. and uh, Chris, go ahead and introduce yourself. Tell us about yourself, Quay. Hey, I'm Chris Broadhead. Uh, my company specializes in high-value content creation and distribution. So we make podcasts and commercials, so, videos. So Chris is going to be with us all along as we continue to uh, do these Ditch Digger CEO podcasts. Um, we're gonna we're gonna use his experience and professionalism to uh, to be as professional, of course, as we can be. Yeah, absolutely. And then I've got uh, Quentin, my buddy, who's gonna support me in all these endeavors. Uh, you know, Quentin is also, as I am, very passionate about entrepreneurship and um, and mentoring and all the things that that create great business. Absolutely, it's gonna be fun. I'm. Uh, I think even for me, I'm I'm in a position just because I've, I've been blessed by your mentorship, and not only that, they getting the opportunity to interview you, as of sorts, and technically in front of everyone, right? I think this would be pretty freaking awesome because it's like the true ideal of a mentor mentee relationship. Hey, hey, hey quit it! You're go. making me blush, man. <laughs> so, and I have some. Y'all might he's call him Zingers. Yeah, yeah, he's crying over here, which is awesome. That's not the dish diggers. I didn't know they cry. around here? Yeah, no. So I, f I feel like, you know, if you could, and I think it'd be pretty cool for people to hear, you know, just kind of your story 
Um, I think a lot of people have maybe bits and pieces of it. A lot of people probably have heard through the grapevines as far as an American success story and how it's possibly have looked. But you are an example of what an American success story looks like. So if you could just please kind of just start, you know, about just your life and how did you get to this point? Well, I, I appreciate that. And stop me and ask questions anytime you want to. Will do. Um, you know, Ditch Digger CEO, you know, how do we come up with this name? Ditch Digger CEO, right? Kind of a different kind of name. Um, and, and was I a ditch digger? You know, yeah, I've dug some ditches in my, in my day, but not necessarily a, a ditch digger, but I was called this at one point in my life. So, so, I mean, I, we're going to talk about how we built these, these businesses and, and, uh, and, and again, I, we, I believe they're, you know, great American success stories, every one of these businesses and the group of companies we have today, yeah. including our nonprofits and the one, the true mentors that you run, um, and, and Rayban Group Foundation, but here, here, ditch digger CEO, why, right? Um, it, it starts with when I when I think back at at our businesses and, and motivations and th- things that created uh, uh, you know kind of a chip on my shoulder as as I grew from from uh, entry level business person to where we are today, I, I, I don't forget things right. I don't I don't forget the things that that motivated me negative kind of negative stuff that motivated me or positive stuff that motivated me. But uh, in thinking of a name for this thing, I'm thinking, gosh, what what describes this amazing journey that we've had, that I've had um, from 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 the, the beginnings of not a heck of a lot to where we are today with a lot of great things going on, right? Yeah. In business and family and, and networking and friendships and all the things I'm blessed with today um, came for a lot of, came uh, through, through a lot of different, uh, for a lot of different reasons. But Ditch Digger CEO starts with, uh, you know, a story I have. Um, I was in high school and uh, around a bunch of, you know, the, the cooler kids in the study hall, you know, friends of mine that I wrestled with, I played, ba- I played, I played football with, um, played pickup, pickup basketball with, as well as a couple, you know, cheerleaders and a couple, couple of the cooler girls, right, in study hall. And I'm around a table and and a, and, a, and a friend of mine who's really kind of a smart-ass friend of mine, um, he's, he's, he, they're talking about where they're all going to college. It's a senior year and, you know, a couple of juniors, but mostly seniors at the table. And, and this one friend of mine says, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to, uh, looks like I'm going to be going to Michigan State. Another friend says, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to U of I. And they're all talking about the schools they're going to. And, and then the one, the one friend of mine goes to me and says, Gary, what, what, uh, what school are you going to? And uh, he already knew my story, so he, you know, he, I, I said, you know, I'm not going to college. I said, I'm, I'm going to be working. I got uh, some opportunities to do some, some, some work with my dad, landscaping, grading, and and doing all the stuff my dad does. And my dad at the time has small, small business, uh, doing, doing, you know, hauling material and doing grading and and, and cutting trees and a lot mm-hmm. of different things my dad did. And then uh, I like this paving thing. I, I might I want to start paving also, paving driveways. So you had the passion to pave really that young. Well, I, I, I've been doing paving since about 13 years old, working for a guy through high school. As I worked with my dad, I, I took on this this, this uh, extra job when I could, paving driveways with this, this small paving contractor. That's so awesome. I, I actually liked it a lot. Um, so either way, bottom line is he, he, he said, uh, so he said, so he said, really, you're, you're going to, you're going to, uh, you're going to be a ditch digger. And I said, <laughs> did he say it like that? Yeah. He said, it, he kind of said it quietly to me and he goes, he goes, the world needs ditch diggers, Rabine. And, uh, a year before that or so, the, 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 the um, uh, the golf movie came out. Okay. Do you remember the golf movie I'm talking about? Um, probably not. You remember this I'm golf movie? Old. I remember the golf. Not what what, what movie is that? It's, uh, it's a classic with Bill Murray called Caddyshack. 
Oh, it's a classic. So, oh, gotcha. so Caddyshack okay. came out, right? And and in that movie, there was the the rich guy said to the kid, he he, he was kind of the kid was was a, a, aspiring to go to college someday, and and this rich guy kind of acted like the kid wasn't very smart, and and uh, I forget the conversation exactly, but basically he said, hey, uh, uh, hey, Danny, you know what? The the world needs ditch diggers, um, and and you know Danny Danny uh, just kind of you know. Took it, took it a little tough, maybe. But either way, th- this this is the the quote that this guy was coming up with. He said, "You know, the world needs ditch diggers, Ray Mine." And so, uh, so I look at him and I kind of, you know, get a little chuckle. But then he then he turns around to, to, to the other eight or nine kids in the in the study hall there at this big table and says, "He goes, so Ray Mine's gonna be a ditch digger." <laughs> <laughs> and and they all kind of looked right, and and uh, half the half these kids knew I was going to college, and and when all all the other ones, all, all the kids there there were, and and it kind of it, it etched in my head, right? Number one, I knew this kid's a smart ass, but but still, I'll never forget it because I felt a little bit, you know, probably a little bit underwhelming, right? Yeah. When I when everybody's going to college except me. But yet in my mind, I knew that for sure I knew how to make money. And, and my, my past and, and as a kid, I, my dad taught me how to make money. He taught me how to work hard. And, and I'm thinking, you know what, Al, someday, someday you might need a job. And, and you, you can go to school for four years, six years, eight years, and, and, and you might be prepared five or ten years from now to come back and work for me. Yeah. And, and uh, either way, bottom line is it, it, it worked out pretty well because I, I did start working at a young age and, and I worked at 18 years old out of, out of high school, uh, worked, worked with my dad. Then we started paving driveways and together we paved a lot of driveways. And, uh, and that's where the story began. Interesting. So. Interesting. There's a quote out there and I hope I say it right. They say, um, you know, A students, they end up becoming teachers and, C, and B students end up be working for C students. Yeah, some, sometimes that's true yeah, for sure. Yeah, so uh-huh. that's interesting. So that's basically how it all got started, man. That is to keep that ingrained. And now you're 55 years old talking about, you know, up yours. Yeah, <laughs> Wait yeah. just so that's interesting. <laughs> you know, and, and again, I, I think I think negative situations can yeah. motivate you as well as positive motivation. As well as right? I've, I've had I've had plenty of each in my life. Yeah. And and I and I can I can vividly remember many of those, right? And it's fun. It's fun to remember that. Yeah. It's fun to remember the the, the, the conversations that people said there's absolutely absolutely no way you can do that. Right. There's no way you can grow a business like that. There's no way you can do that type of work all over the country. Mm-hmm. There's you know, I, I've heard it all all my life, and and I love when people uh, tell me you can't, and and you figure out you can. And there's times that 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 people tell you you can't, and they're totally right, right? And you work your butt off. To prove them right, yeah. Unfortunately, right. <laughs> but but when when you have those times and you can work through stuff and work through tough times and, and be successful by doing things that other people said you can't do, yeah. Very often that's 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 a differentiation you know, that you're you're differentiating yourself because everybody believes you can't do it. Right. So you've actually discovered something maybe that makes you stronger with differentiation. So so Gary, can you tell me about your family? Love to tell you about my family. You know what? My, my wife of uh, 32 years, going to be 33 years in October. Cheryl is an amazing wife that we, we, I spoke of earlier. Uh, one of my big, big, if not, well, I should say my biggest unfair advantage in my opinion. Uh, when I get a partner like Cheryl, um, you know what? There's nothing I feel I can't do or, or, or there's no issues and, and challenges I can't get through because of my partner and Cheryl. Um, I look at my four kids and their example of, of you know, again, of marrying right and marrying marrying way up, um, Cheryl's done an amazing job raising our our, th- our three adult kids, um, and then our 17 year old Nick is on his way. When I say that, uh, Austin is now 31 years old, and Austin worked his butt off as a young kid. I was kind of hard on him, 
uh, wanted him to, to, to establish some grit and I, I kind of, you know, forced work ethic into him. And, uh, he, he, he was always, you know, really good about it. Kid liked to work and it wasn't that difficult to get him, get him to, 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 to do things around the house. And then he said, gosh, that's enough doing stuff around the house. He ended up mowing lawns for, for the neighbors before our own lawns, started his own little business. And by the time he's in high school, had a, had a nice business and in college, even a bigger business. So Austin's a, 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 today at 31 years old. He's a, he's a solid entrepreneur. Um, he, uh, he, he took over leading our national business from one of our leaders uh, a few years ago. And, uh, and since then has spun off a new entity called Site. Site's a technology company, really exciting technology company that, that Austin is building um, while also helping to oversee our national business, Rabine America. So he's, he's an amazing guy. Janelle is now in operations in our business. Janelle's 29, just turned 29, and she's uh, uh, director of operations of our businesses. And she, she, she keeps uh, everybody sane around me. Um, uh, you, know, you know, basically communicates with all our team leaders on a daily basis, and uh, keeps them sane because they're always like, you know, okay, now what's Gary thinking? Now where are we going? What kind of crazy idea is this, right? And Janelle will say, hey, hey just it's my dad. Realize, you know, you you guys can pull push back a lot, and and we we won't be uh, doing that like tomorrow. It's something you're you know that that, that Gary's thinking way out there, right? So Janelle kind of keeps everybody uh, uh, um, unnerved, I would say. She does a great job with that, and as well as watching over operations and learning learning more about how to be how how to be a strong uh, operations leader. She we've got some great people around us that mentor her. Um, beyond me, which uh, probably I'm not the best in mentoring on, on operations and, and execution on a daily basis. So she, she's learning a lot. Um, Jordan now, Jordan's a year behind Janelle. She's 28. And Jordan's a really, really cool gal. She's, she works for Ernst & Young as a uh, consulting attorney. And uh, she's traveling now to Ohio and stuff. But J- J- uh, Jordan has uh, uh, got, a, got, a got a grandson through Jordan, two-and-a-half-year-old Lincoln, who's, who's the light of our lives. Um, she's got an awesome husband, Gabe. Gabe is actually a partner of ours in a an insurance agency and uh, in, a, in another technology business. And Gabe and Jordan met in college at uh, Loyal Law School, and uh, they, they're they're a power couple kind of um, having a lot of fun and and uh, raising a great great little guy in Lincoln. Lincoln's a cute little stinker, two and a half years old, smart as smart as can be. Um, and you know, and and, and Lincoln is okay. Well, I'll, for, we'll go to Lincoln in a minute, but. Um, the, my last, my last child is Nick. Nick is 17 years old. Cheryl and I we had three kids fast in life. By 20, heck, by 26 years old, we had three kids and got married at 22 and 21. And by by the time I was 26, I had three kids. And and she uh, she was like kind of you know put the brakes on. We it's been you know in the last three years we had we had three and she was kind of wanting to break you know put the brakes on a bit and. Uh, so we uh, decided uh, we were probably not getting any more kids, and and uh, I I did what you have to do to to make sure that didn't happen again at 26 years old or so, right? Kind of young to, to do that. Um, you know, just didn't know if we'd be able to afford to put kids through college, and and uh, realized we were we were we were uh, not having a problem getting pregnant. So um, didn't know if we'd be able to put all our kids through college and and support them in the way we wanted to. So we kind of ended our ability to have kids from then on. Well. Seven eight years later, we we were realizing our businesses were really growing. Um, we were making you know great great money and and saying and we 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 came back from the accountant one day saying man you know what we could add more kids we're doing a lot better than we thought we'd be doing at this point and uh, so we talked about it and said you know if we ever do we'll just adopt. 
So sure enough, uh, you know, Jordan, our youngest at the time, the, the, the attorney today was always a, a, a objective little, little stinker that questioned everything and challenged us. And she heard us say that and she never let it, let, let it go. So we, uh, she challenged us on an annual basis. Hey, when are we going to adopt? When are we going to adopt? I want a little brother. I want a little sister. And uh, eventually uh, we decided uh, by the time we were 40, we said, you know, if we're going to adopt, like Jordan keeps bugging us, uh, we, you know, we, we better talk about it. We better think about it now. So we went to classes for foster care in Illinois to be able to get to do adoption. And we adopted uh, within, within a year of that time, adopted uh, Nikita, a little guy named Nikita Shmirnov. So Nikita became, turned into Nikita Thomas Rabine and uh, adopted him at two and a half years old. And uh, he's, he's been a, a blessing to our family. He's 17 today and uh, works on our cruise every day in the summertime. So he's, he's a hardworking guy, works on the paving crews, concrete crews, and comes home with, you know, all beat up with a big smile on his face every day. So we're loving uh, his, his passion for work ethic because uh, we, we, we believe, of course, you need to have that. So our kids are awesome, and little Lincoln is is something else, man. He's he's the light of our lives, like I said. So you know, Ditch Digger CEO, I I I believe that if we can inspire people today to understand the the blessings we have in America and the American free enterprise system, that this doesn't have to go away. That the free enterprise can continue to be the system of choice for our country, um, and the and uh, the future of our our grandkids. So that, that, that's a, a big deal to me, right? So being a big deal, I want, that's, that's why we're doing this. That's why we're going to interview a lot of great people. Um, and and I'm, I'm so blessed to, uh, to uh, have so many friends that have done great things in, in building uh, enterprises here in, in America. So I want to use that, these, the, the blessings of having so many friends, and I'm going to interview them. Uh, so we, we're, we're going to have the opportunity to, to, to be interviewing some amazing success stories. The, uh, where, where I harvest this, these stories from, it'll be these networks that I've been a big part of. So I've been, I've been super, super uh, uh, blessed to be part of some great organizations. Um, one of the first ones I joined in 15 years ago or so was YPO. My business has gotten to a size where it was big enough and some, some friend of mine came to me and said, Gary, you ought to look at belonging to YPO, Young Presidents Organization. It's a great, great organization of leaders, CEOs, and presidents of the companies that, that network at, at the highest level globally to become better. So I, you know, I looked into it and sure enough, joined it soon after. And it's been an amazing organization where I've, I've created just tons of great friendships with YPRs, not just Chicagoland area and Midwest, but across the globe. Um, I've, I've raised my hand to be a, you know, on the board multiple times and, and then also on a global um, board that, uh, that I'm part of. And, and gosh, the relationships of their gain are incredible. I can't say enough for networking how important it is a network but this is ne this is networking on steroids right it's just crazy there's uh, 30 some thousand ceos from across the globe um any of them can call on me at any time and if they need something in the chicago market or something in my industry um and i can do the same with them so it's a, it's just uh, a lot of fun but since since joining ypo i've 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 really um i've really uh, got gotten to be kind of on fire for uh networking and great organizations and have been a part of even starting a few or, or actually, you know, one of the first to, to be part of a few organizations. Um, one great one about seven years ago, um, Bernie Marcus, uh, the founder of Home Depot, started Job Creators Network, JCN. And uh, I was uh, uh, fortunate enough to ask to be a part of that right from the beginning. I think I was the sixth or seventh person in and, and, and a board member then and still today. 
um, Job, Creator Net Job Creators Network has become a large organization of CEOs across the, the country. And all, all we do is basically look out for jobs. Our, our goal is to, to be aware of, of uh, regulation that kills jobs in, the, in our country. And then once, when, once we realize they're out there, to do whatever we can to get in front of uh, you know, government to say, hey, can't have this and shouldn't have this. And we try to, try to create the awareness that you know, bad regulation hurts our country and hurts jobs. So that's what it's all about. Job, cre job Creators was, uh, again, Bernie Marcus's vision. And it's uh, everything he envisioned is happening with this thing. It's a great, great organization. Um, that, the other one was another one was TPUSA, Turning Point USA. I was really, really, really uh, uh, blessed to be part of this thing from the beginning. Um, young man, Charlie Kirk, was the founder of it at 18 years old and uh, had this vision that he was going to, he wanted to, instead of going to college where, you know, he, he was you know, expected to go, he was a valedictorian of his class, um, athlete, um, really sharp kid. Instead of going to college, he chose not to go to college and say, I want to, instead of going to college, I want to educate college kids across the country on why uh, this free enterprise system is the best thing that's ever happened to our country and, and why socialism, which many of them believe is a good thing in, in college campuses today, why socialism is, is not a good thing. Um, so he, he built this organ, started this organization purely on the simple concept of that. Um, it's become a very large organization in the last five years. And uh, there's many, many entrepreneurs and leaders in business like myself that support this organization because we, we think that the, the message is very important. The message is important to, to, to educate kids across America and college campuses and high school campuses on you know, why this, this American free enterprise system is so important to embrace for the future of, of them and their kids and the, you know, their kids uh, down the road. So that, that's, it's a great organization we have a lot of fun with. And, and another organization that I started, um, Cheryl and I have two nonprofits, the Raybine Group Foundation and True Mentors. True Mentors is an organization we started here at the Raybine Group and uh, found a great, great partner, that my, my sidekick here, uh, Quentin, that, uh, in, in uh, Ditch Digger CEO. Um, our goal is to mentor young people that want to lead um, with great, great CEOs, presidents, and, and leaders in businesses today. Um, put them together and, and lead through uh, sharing experiences. So um, True Mentors is growing on a consistent basis, and it's a lot of fun to watch what happens when, when, it, when a young person that wants to lead has somebody they can tap into uh, you know, whenever they want to, to say, hey, I, I got I a challenge in this little business, or I got a challenge in this job I'm in. Um, how, how, any shared experience you can give me, uh, uh, you know, Ed Zeman, Gary Rabine, and many others, um, Dean Vicka. I mean, we've got some great, great CEOs that, that are that are part of this thing that are there to give mentorship to young leaders that want to lead someday. And and 100% is it, it's about uh, sharing experiences, not not so much telling any young person how to do anything or any young business mind how to do anything. It's it's all about just sharing experience of how, you know, how, how, how we uh, would look at something through the experiences we've had. And uh, it's been a blast. So True Mentors is growing on a constant basis. So, so talk about your, your um, I guess, your childhood, a little bit of your family. Take a couple minutes about that because I feel like that's the foundation of who you are today. So I think that's really important. Yeah. So, so I grew up in a family of six kids, four older sisters and a younger brother. And uh, my my dad was a, a workaholic, and and he's he's still still today he'll tell you he's proud to be a workaholic. He 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 could he always earned a buck. He always had cash in his pocket. He always paid his bills, and and uh, and he raised his family with without any problems. Right? He, he didn't have a ton of money, but he always he, he always did pretty well. He 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 had six kids at a young age. 
Um, my mom and my dad, six kids at a very young age, and he had to work hard. So he worked in a factory. He, he, uh, there was a thing called the Dutch Elm disease in, in, uh, in, in, in our country, and in the Illinois and Chicagoland area was pretty bad. He bought a chainsaw at Sears and, and uh, started trimming his own trees and, kill, and cutting his own Dutch, uh, because of Dutch Elm disease, cutting his own elm trees down, right? Um, he said, gosh, this is kind of cool. So he ended up uh, um, putting an ad in the paper, and, and, he, and he got a bunch of work you know, cutting these, these elm trees down. Um, and he, he became, well, as he worked in the factory, he started a tree business. And uh, the tree business turned into, he, he had a little little beat up old dump truck, small dump truck, started hauling material, like sand and gravel and stuff. Um, so my dad, as he worked in a factory for the first uh, 15, 20 years of his career, um, also built these little businesses, this little business where he did all kinds of other things to serve you know, homeowners in, in, the, in Fox Lake, Round Lake, in Northern Illinois. And uh, so again, I watched my dad working, you know, normal hours in the factory, and then coming home, uh, working night shifts, coming home and working most of the day, um, and and with a smile on his face, you know, uh, you know, just just uh, happier than heck to be able to to be able to make the money he made and support his family the way he could. So that, so I grew up with the the blessings of having a father that really taught work ethic just by just by na- naturally um, doing the thing he loved to do. Mm. Um, so that so that was that four, you know four four older sisters all great great gals and a younger brother, um, you know that all all learned the same same lessons of work ethic that I did. Um, That's awesome. My mother was a, was a stay at home mom and and she had a lot of work to do to raise to raise six kids and uh, did a great job of that. She was my my dad was always kind of a uh, kind of a hard ass. I mean, he was a he was a big strong guy and and uh, he got his way often because he was he was a, you know kind of a kind of a stubborn guy and and uh, you know pr- pretty smart and 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 uh, but very very uh, convincing uh, because he was again big strong and and uh, you know and convincing. So when I say that <laughs> he was he, he was extremely influential. He was influential. <laughs> he was influential because, wherever he wanted to be, and uh, he didn't take much crap. Maybe he didn't take any crap from anybody, basically, and, yeah. and he wasn't an easy father to grow up around. But but you know what? Yeah, I think he made us better and stronger, yeah. and created. We we definitely had grit that other other kids didn't have, um, because we worked at young ages, and uh, you know, ten eleven years old, we're cutting trees, and 12, 13 years old, we're doing stuff on her own to make money. Um, so, so either way, great, great upbringing by, by a, by a tough father and a, and a, and a very optimistic, uh, supportive mother. So we, we had, we had an unfair advantage in my opinion. We had lots of love in our house. Um, so, so my, my family and, and my dad will come to a lot of stories because he, he's definitely an influencer in my life and, and a mentor in my life. Right. Um, then, then family wise, uh, you know, I got married young. My wife and I met, I was 19. She was 18. Cheryl, Cheryl was this, a uh, beautiful woman, beautiful young girl, um, that uh, we shared a lot of uh, commonality. Uh, you know, we we both were you know grew up in lower middle class families with hardworking parents. Um, we both learned how to work at young ages, and uh, and and uh, we we both liked to dance. All right, we what? We, yeah, now I wasn't. I've never been very good, but she was really good. She looked really good dancing. I can believe she was a good dancer. She was <laughs> not only was she 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 was a beautiful woman, and 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 not just that, but uh, very faithful at a young age. That's she had awful. she had faith that I didn't uh, I didn't really understand even. I, I you know we weren't a, weren't a huge uh, faithful family, and we didn't go to church a lot or at at all really. We were baptized Catholic, but that was but but so I meet this this girl Cheryl that was very faithful, um, very you know a beautiful girl, and and. Uh, 
she she changed my life from there on. So 19 and 18, we we met, and uh, by 22 and 21, we were married. And by 26 years old, we had three kids. Wow. And uh, by, uh, yeah, 26, we had three kids and, and, and seriously in the business world at that point. But uh, it's worked out well. So Cheryl's been a, been my, my my unfair advantage. I mean, I've got a few unfair advantages in my life, but she's been one of them. Because without her, I you know, I, I wouldn't have been, been as focused. Um, today, I wouldn't be as a fa- faithful as a person as I am. Yeah. And uh and I wouldn't have the great kids I have today. Yeah. And I have four, we have four kids today, but uh, amazing kids. And, and it's mostly because of her um, upbringing and, you know, her bring her, her really bring our kids up while I worked a lot for the first 15 years of our, of our marriage, probably. Yeah. yeah. They always say in this awesome, awesome book, uh, you know, that I read often, it says, when you find a wife, you find a good thing. You know what I mean? So that's awesome to see that, man. Yeah. And how long have y'all been married? We've been married now uh, 30 Two years. Thirty-two years. Thirty-two that years. That is my age right now, that, man. That is not crazy. crazy. <laughs> That's going on. Thirty-three. I got to beat. <laughs> yeah, we'll be thirty-three years in October. That is an amazing. That's amazing success right there, man. No, well, again, again, I, I think it's totally unfair to to, to for for somebody. Um, that can't find the right person, can't find the right par- partner, compared to somebody that can. Right? Yeah. If you can find the right partner in life. You've, you've, you've got it made. I mean, it, it makes a huge difference in your opportunity for success. Yeah. Right? And that's probably something I want to ask you about a little bit later. Um, if, if, so let's, let's kind of interject as far as like, you know, how did, so how did you get your business started or, you know, how did, you know, how did you, you know, the ditch digger, you told the, I mean, not mentally, at least you told the kid, Hey, you know what, you're going to eat those words. And, and then you already loved pad, uh, uh, paving driveways at the age of 13. Um, you know, how, what, how did you get the ball rolling as far as starting your business and, 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 and those sorts? So, so I didn't, I didn't actually love paving at 13, but, but not long after that. So I, I, you know, I worked for this guy that, uh, um, is, is, he was a, uh, um, Northern Illinois driveway paving company, okay. small, small, tiny little company, probably did a few hundred thousand dollars in revenues. Um, and you know, this, you know, Bill didn't, was, he wasn't a bad guy. He just didn't really care about customers as much as I thought he should or, or employees as much as I thought he he should. He, uh, you know, it was kind of crazy, but think about this back then, this is 1977, I guess, eight, whatever it was, 76, 77, 78. The average age of our, of our crew was probably about 15 or 16 years old, right? I mean, today people look at that and say, what, what's going on with that with that outfit? How, how can they have all these kids working? This can't yeah. be right. Yeah. Anybody going to turn these people in or what? Right? And but, but back then it was not a big deal. Nobody thought about it. But I, I, when I was thirteen, I was the youngest on that on the on the crew, and I, and this was a part time basis. So at this point, I, I worked for my dad. He had a little bobcat, so I I would spread dirt for my dad. I, I worked for myself. I had lawns I mowed and a newspaper route that I that I, that I had. Um, but uh, but I worked for my dad when he when he wasn't working in the factory, and then and then when he didn't need me, I started working for this guy that discovered me one day. I was I was grading a driveway with this bobcat that my dad had. It's an old bobcat, a little tiny tiny machine that I got pretty good on. I I I was I had a pretty good eye, and I was able to grade gravel and dirt pretty efficiently and and stuff. Anyway, this guy saw me saw me grading a driveway and and and, and said, hey, you know how often are you working for your dad? I said, oh, pretty much. And he goes, when you're not working for your dad, you want to work for me? I said, oh, what do you pay? And he said, he said, well, what are you, what are you making? And I, and I, I mistakenly told him what I made first. I should have, I, I should have let him speak first, but either way, I said four bucks an hour. And uh, he goes, four bucks an hour. He goes, I'll pay you five bucks an hour. If you work for me, whenever you're not working for your dad, I, I could use you, you know, grading these driveways before we pave them. And I said, sounds good. 
So sure enough, I worked for him on and off uh, all through high school while I also worked with my dad and did these things on my own. Um, But uh, bottom line is what I discovered was, number one, I I liked the difference I could make in, in the aesthetics of a home. Um, by 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 taking a you know a, a ratty old driveway, and removing it and replacing it with an am- amazingly beautiful driveway within hours, right? Within hours or a day, let's say, and go from having a house that doesn't have much curb appeal to a house that has a lot of curb appeal, right? With a brand new driveway, so I, I like that. I like the 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 difference you could make in such a short period of time. Um, so it's probably probably sophomore junior year I liked it more and more, and then and then by the time I graduated high school. Um, you know, I, I was really feeling like I wanted to get away from under, underneath my dad's wings. And my dad, you know, again, you know, hardworking guy that, that uh, really drove, uh, you know, drove you to work hard and that's okay. But he also was very, very uh, uh, stuck in his ways, right? He, he, it was his way or the highway. Mm. And uh, as, as much as I loved him, I, I didn't respect that he didn't, in my opinion, didn't listen to me much and didn't, you know, didn't seem to, to, to uh, uh, you know, value what I really wanted, and and I wanted to do something of my own. So, so this the paving business. The, the vision for me was to have this paving business that I could do on my own. Especially for the fact that my my dad didn't like paving. My dad my dad liked what he did, but he really didn't think there was much in the world of paving. He thought it was kind of a crappy business and a dirty business, a crappy business, and there's never going to be enough for that you know work work out there. Mm. So, so as I as I saw his lack of interest in it, I saw my opportunity to do something that I could, I could do on my own. And, and so, you know, while working for my dad at 18 years old, 19 years old, I started, um, you know, telling people we could pave their driveways. Now we didn't have a heck of a lot of equipment. I knew I had to loan equipment to do that. So, so we would loan a, uh, a paver from a guy or, or maybe, a, maybe a friend of mine who had a, a small paving company would come and run his paver and pave our driveways after I got them ready to pave. Mm. Um, and I would rake the asphalt and, and do that. But either way, we partnered with a few different people that were in, either in the industry or in the landscape industry that could help us haul material and do the, do the driveways at first. And eventually we started buying some equipment. So we bought, we bought a, uh, a, a junky roller that you had to sp- you know spray water on half the time to, to, so the asphalt didn't stick. Kind of a landscaping roller. Uh, we eventually bought a little box, a rusty old uh, box you drag behind a truck to spread the asphalt with, um, and and it, and it started to progress. So we do more and more driveways uh, on, a, on a monthly basis, an annual basis. And eventually, within ten years, driveways were ninety eight percent of what we did, and uh, we got to be a couple million dollar company. So I have a question. Um, at that. At that moment, I think this would probably be good for people when they're in the startup phase and, and things of that sort. Did you go out for loans? Did you bootstrap? Did you, you know, the, you know, did you reinvest? Like, how did you get to the point of of ten million dollars? Like, what did that look like? How did how did you get to that point? Of two million dollars, yeah. So, so two million revenue is what he got. It, it was million, a, it was this. It was this. You know, bottom line is I didn't understand how to loan money. My my dad never loaned money. I mean, I guess I should take that back. He loaned money for that first chainsaw from Sears. <laughs> Otherwise, he didn't buy anything unless he had cash, including okay. a, you know, we, we lived in a cottage that was turned into a, a full-time house for most of our, 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 our childhood. And, and, and it was, a, it was, you know, it was a, it was, a, we didn't, we knew anything better. It was an okay house. It wasn't nice. It was not, it was okay. Our, our yard looked like a, a contractor's yard, right? We had, we had wood piled up and dirt piled up and it was kind of embarrassing to bring friends home. It looked like, you, you, if anybody remember the, the show Sanford and Son, 
I made a comment to my dad one time. I made, I made a comment to my dad sometime. I'm embarrassed to bring friends home. I feel like I, I, I we're Sanford and son. They come in our yard and they laugh at, they, they go to school and they laugh at our yard. And, and you get a heart attack and be like, I'm coming to join you. Honey, yeah. Yeah. Right? Elizabeth, Elizabeth, I'm coming again. Anyway, no, but, but either way, you know, so, but, but all it was is my dad's work ethic. I mean, everything was about, you know, making money to support his family. So we were in this, in this little, this neighborhood with these not narrow 50 or 60 foot wide lots. And, and he was using this, this front yard as a contractor's yard. And nobody, nobody complained about it because they know if they complained about it, they'd have the wrath of, of Rabine, my dad. <laughs> I mean, he, you know, he, he, would, he would definitely confront anybody that would, that would cause any problems to him. And, and, and uh, either, either bottom line is that this, this, this life was a great life. But, and I, but, but, I, but you know, in, in growing up around this, all I saw was a father that never had any debt, paid for everything in, in, everything cash, Right. And, and so I didn't know anything different than that. So as we as him and I grew this this residential business, uh, we didn't we didn't buy a, a truck unless we could pay cash for it. Interesting. And we'd buy used stuff a right. lot and, and things like that. But that's how it was. So and um, before we go to the next phase of, of how you get after you got your career to the after the next, I guess you said the next three years, et cetera. How do you recommend that to people? Now starting a business, should they, you know, go out for? Because you know, it's so much stuff out here now with it even being the, you know, the twenty, you know, the the millennium era, and, and you know, everyone wants to start a start a business. They want to get a venture capital. They want to do all of those things. Would you recommend that? Or I mean, what I'm gonna say, just what are your shared experiences? How do you feel? You know, if you're having a business or you're at the startup phase, what do you think would be the best? Yeah. So, so I, I think, um, I think it's all about your appetite, right? If, if you are, if you have a business that could be scaled super fast in an idea today, I know this back then I didn't know this. And back then it wasn't quite the the situation either. Right. In the, in the early eighties, this wasn't the case. You didn't go out and you didn't start a business and say, gosh, I need to raise capital because I can scale this thing to be world worldwide. Right. It wasn't, it wasn't common. Back then, it was, I got to start a business, and I, and I need to save some cash to start this business. So, and, and maybe there'd be loans. You go to the bank and get loans and things like that. We did none of that. But, but bottom line is, I think uh, nowadays, I would say, if you can scale a business to be a global business, um, and you can bootstrap that on your own, that's a beautiful thing. Uh, it's not quite as common today, right? I mean, gotcha. there, there's a lot, of, a lot of methods to raise capital today you didn't have before. Back then, it was just, you know, go to the bank and get some loans. Mortgage your house, mortgage right. your house, and things like that. Um, but but my dad did none of that. He wouldn't mortgage his house. He didn't he didn't uh, he, he he didn't get a loan on a on a pickup truck, a truck, a, a, a skid steer, a roller, whatever. We just didn't do that. Um, so so either way, we we grew with our own cash. We had to make money and save money, and and it was a you know it was a good experience. I felt like I was I was uh, that that I that I was held back from growing fast because of that mentality, oh, really? right? And, and it it took probably five six years where I really wanted to grow fast, and we couldn't because we we didn't have the cash. Right. We couldn't buy enough equipment fast enough. Right. Um, couldn't hire enough people fast enough because right. we we weren't ready. We, we didn't have the we didn't have a bunch of cash on the sidelines. But but either way, that, that was a good way to grow in, in, into business, because um, I, I think fiscal responsibility personally or in business is, is a key to success in the long run, whether you do that with your own cash or, or you do that with partners. Um, so for me. It was a great experience. For the first ten years of my career, we we grew from nothing to a couple million in driveways. And for driveways back then, an average driveway was probably a thousand or two thousand bucks. So it's a lot of driveways every year. And and uh, today, uh, you know, it, it, the the that 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 business isn't something we do a ton of. Although we're getting back into it, it looks like just you know. But but so for the first ten years, that's what it was about. Ten twelve years. Uh, and then and then uh, you know my my dad and I uh, you know we're, we we weren't initially partners. Then we were partners, and we became stronger partners as as time went on. For the and by by the time the uh, 
10, 12 years were up, uh, you know, we were, we were really uh, rubbing each other wrong, right? I wanted to grow faster. He didn't like paving. He really didn't care about growing the paving business. He, he said, we need to do some other stuff. We need to do more trees. We need to do some other. I said, I don't want anything to do with anything but paving. I want to be a paving guy. That's what I want to do. Do you have a story? Well, we, I got a story of how that separated. So my dad and I, uh, you know, I, I bought my dad out and, and, and uh, we agreed to something in the end of uh, 2000, or excuse me, 1993 and then and closed the deal beginning of 1994. But it, it wasn't a pretty situation. So we, my dad and I, 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 I got to be, you know, one of my goals in life was to be, a, you know, a, you know a, 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 a kind of a stronger guy and, and be able to handle, you know, a slap upside the head for my dad and, and smile back at him, right? Yeah. And so, I, so I, I worked out a little bit. I, I was getting into bodybuilding. I was a wrestler in high school, and 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 so you know, my dad and I started going at, at each other once in a while. And 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 uh, my, as I got to be 17, 18, 19, 20, and 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 we get in shoving matches, and sometimes they turn into wrestling matches, oh, and they, they weren't friendly sometimes. But either way, <laughs> love my dad. But 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 it, it it came to a point in in 1993 when. When we were on a job, and I had an embarrassing moment, right? I'll never forget the moment. But bottom line is, uh, my my dad uh, got upset about how thick we were paving the asphalt. And on this, this is the biggest job I ever had in my life. This is a parking lot for a company in, in Richmond, Illinois, and it was the biggest job I ever had. Probably fifty, sixty thousand dollar job. This is for yeah. me. This was huge back yeah. then, right? And and my dad was nervous we were going to lose money in this job because it was, it was, we shouldn't be doing this big work and on and on. So he got nervous. He came back and looked at the the, the, the asphalt we were paving and thought we were, we were going too thick. So he grabbed a shovel and started you know pulling asphalt off the surface of this 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 area we oh, paved. No. I said, Dad, you can't do that. Get get away from that, right? Where are you? He goes. He goes. It's too thick. We're, we're going to in this job. So either way, bottom line is we, you know, I asked him to get away from the mat. He's going to mess it up because we, we we're, we're just going to have a low point where he's going to hold water. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and he, uh, him and I got arguing and pushing, he got a little pushing and shoving and, and, uh, he, you know, got swung at me and, oh, wow. and clipped the side of my head. And I, I rustled him onto a trailer right next to where we were standing. And, and, and then, uh, uh, he started swinging a uh, a chain binder at me, and and you know while he's while we're, we're wrestling and hit me a couple of times with the chain binder. It got bro- this 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 little wrestling match got broken up, and uh, this is at twelve fifteen in the afternoon. And this new building, <laughs> this new building in Richmond, Illinois, we're we're working alongside their cafeteria. Oh my gosh! True stories here at CEO uh, Dish Digger. Oh uh, no! So, so it was twelve fifteen in the afternoon. I look up after my, my our our foreman at the time, who became my my uh, who actually bought this business from me eventually. Yeah. My, his name was Mike. Um, broke this up, and, and I we look up and we look at at this uh, this this wall of glass, and it's their cafeteria. And there's there's a hundred and hundred and fifty people standing up against the glass looking at this UFC fight going on, right? <laughs> but there, there was no UFC back then, right? But they were enjoying it just like there was. You were the first one. And you so, so one. I, it, it was really embarrassing. I looked at my dad and said, Dad, this will never happen again. He goes, what are you talking about? I said, Dad, this will never happen again. We will never be partners again after this year. I, I'm, not, I'm never going to have this, uh, yeah. th- this type of thing happen again. I want to be a professional organization. We, will, we, will, we won't be partners next year because right. either I'm buying you out or you're buying me out. Yeah. Now my dad looked at me and said, I ain't buying you out and you're not buying me out. So, so, you know, bottom line, it was a, it was a chore over the next six months to figure out how I can buy them out or how he can, how he can sell out to them. So I ended up, ended up arranging a deal after a bunch of, bunch of, uh, uh, conversations and some, even some lawyers at one point and some business evaluation, evaluation people, um, ended up with a deal to start 1994 
where I, I you know, a 10 year deal to buy him out okay. of this year. So what, I guess what would be a, a quality learning experience that you get from that whole situation? Maybe from a business perspective. <laughs> hmm. That's a, that's a good question. Um, you know, I, I think that, uh, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, Let's see, a, a, a business. Let me think about this quick. But I, yeah, what, what about like any tips on working with family do's, don'ts? Well, I, you know, today we work with, we have a lot of family members on board in our businesses today. And uh, and we have a lot of fun with family members. Yeah, but we sure. we have had family members that haven't worked out so well, right? So so uh, in in this case, you know, we weren't made to be partners together. I, I was, you know, I had this, this high growth mentality back then. My dad had this pullback mentality. No, we're getting too big. No, taking on too much risk, right? He didn't like risk. He actually didn't like, you know, having full-time employees because that's risk, right? Yeah. So my, my goal was to buy him out and, and, and create a business that could, that could be sustainable and grow and scale. And, and I knew I had to treat people really well. I knew I had to have full-time employees. At the time, we weren't paying people to be full-time employees, and uh, and so my dad and I were, were were totally opposites in that mentality. So so I guess you know under when it, when it comes to partnership of any family or not, right? Understand each other's vision, right? And make sure you're you're you know fairly close to aligned, and, and we were not, right? Understand each other's strengths and weaknesses, and you know we weren't that far off there. He was really good at collecting money. He was really good at, at working hard. Um, he, he wasn't passionate about the industry of paving, which was, which was probably the biggest problem. And, and I was, um, he didn't have as much confidence as I had that you could grow this thing into a much larger organization. But so I guess we weren't aligned. We were aligned in work ethic because we got stuff done. I mean, mm-hmm. we were, we, we definitely worked hard and got a lot of work done compared to anybody else as small as we were. Um, so I guess like, alignment would be big and we didn't align in a, in a lot of different ways there. Right. I love my dad. I, I think I, I know my dad loves me, but, um, you know, it doesn't mean we're, we're, we, we align with all these things in business. So, so again, when I, when I look at family and businesses it, today, our family members, our business are expected to, to work harder than anybody else in the, in the positions they're in. Uh, Quentin, hopefully you, you see this around the Rabine group. And, and I mean, my, our, our, you know, Austin, my son, my daughter, Janelle, uh, my sister, Candy, uh, my nephew, Mike, my nephew, Brian, my brother-in-law, Jim, um, you know, so many family members in, in, this, in these businesses today. Um, uh, we have a, you know, cousin, Eric, we've got a lot of great, great family members out of, the, out of our many coworkers in, the, in this business in these businesses. Right. But every single one of them today, I can tell you work as hard or harder than anybody else around them are compensated less in most cases than the people around them until they become leaders. Um, and so, it's, so, so I, I would say, you know, aligning, aligning your, um, uh, aligning skills and, and passion for the business is a must. If, they, if they're not passionate about the business, they can't be in it. If, if they're if they're not skillful and they don't strive to be very good at what in their in their positions, they don't belong in the business, right? Family businesses have have to be family businesses that that, that really treat all like family, right. right? Not just the family members themselves, but but this in our in our in our businesses, we we love our employees, we love our, our team members in every business we have, and, and you know because they're working every single day for us, just like our family members are their family because they uh, this is what they do, this is their livelihood. Yeah. They spend more hours. At, at, in our, you know, representing our businesses than they do with their family members. So if we don't respect that and love that about them, then boy, I tell you what, we'll have, we'll have a hard time being successful. Um, so you were talking about having a disagreement with your dad about wanting to uh, achieve maximum growth and scale. Um, and he was quite the opposite of that. Where did those ideas come from? How were you inspired that that was even a possibility? 
Yeah, that, that's a great question. And you know what? I, I, I looked for people around me. You know, I have many mentors in my life, my dad being the first one, right? But, but I looked at, at I would pave a driver for somebody that was very successful. And I realized that, that they scaled they scaled something that that served a purpose better than anybody else in their industry. So, so I would see this. I would see scaling of businesses of people I'd do a driveway for. I'd, I'd pave a driveway for a person with a beautiful house and you know, on 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 a lake, and and they and they drove nice cars, and and I you know I knew they were they were doing good things in, in business. So I'd ask them what the heck they did, and often they they would tell me, uh, "Mind your own business, kid." <laughs> yeah, and, and but then but then sometimes they would say, "Let me tell you about what I did. Let me tell you what 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 I do for a living, and and how I'm able to afford these things." And most cases, those people were people that started something from nothing that busted their butt, and 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 in busting their butt, they they've they they had stories to tell me that were really cool stories and how they scaled something and and the cool things they do in their business and how passionate they are about them, right? So so I would hear these stories more often than, than anybody else probably my age. Uh, and because I'd always ask the questions, how did, how'd you do it? Right. So I, I, I saw these stories of scaling and success. And I, I wasn't I wasn't seeing that that my 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 dad, I mean, although, you know, as we, we were we grew pretty, pretty well and everything, and we were, we were pretty successful in make, making profit. I didn't see the ability to really scale like the stories I liked. And so, so I guess that's, you know, it, it was different mentors as a young guy, uh, besides my dad that, that I, that I would, I would ask, you know, how they did it. And, and then I would sponge off and call him once in a while if I liked him. And I've got mentors all the way back since, you know, I was 18, 19, 20 years old that some of which I still, I'm still friends with today. And, and I continued that trend the rest of my life. Even today, I, I look, look to reach to the best minds in the world at anything I want to do. Any business we're in, we reached, we, we reach out and try to find the best minds in the world. Uh, in, in the space that we're, we're trying to make a money, make a buck in, right? So um, any business we have, we can talk about that. But it's, uh, it, it's pretty easy today compared to what it used to be to, to, to reach uh, for the stars when it comes to reaching the best minds in the world in any industry that we, we want to be great at, right? So does that answer your question or no? Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. So your, your passion for driveways led you to discover these uh, folks that had they inspired you about scaling and growth and you asked them, Hey, how are you doing so well? Mm-hmm. And then you're like, cool, I'm going to do that too. Well, and, and very often in a different way, right? Cause most of these yeah. people weren't paving people, right? Most of these people didn't pave driveways or parking lots. And, and, and so, so actually, so that from, from 19, when I, when I, 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 I uh, made the agreement to buy my, my dad's shares of the business out, it was a 10 year deal. And uh, I didn't realize I'd, I'd never done acquisition before. Didn't know nothing about it, right? And I knew I I felt I paid too much. My dad felt I he gave it to me, right? So we were, we were at odds there for a while. Um, but but either way, over the next ten years, I had some big payments to make to pay to buy him out. And I didn't realize. And let, let's say, for instance, uh, the first year was over two hundred thousand dollars, and I had to pay him. And and uh, the business when I turned when I did the things I wanted to do, paid workers' compensation, full time employees, four hundred one ks. Health insurance, all the things you're supposed to do for good for for a good business, my my profit shrunk. When I say shrunk, like like seventy percent they shrunk, right? Wow. And so so now I'm like okay, now how do I pay off this couple hundred thousand dollars a year, right? Yeah. And and so it, it, it started out heavy and and it got to be less as time went on. It, uh, the, the payments, um, that's the way it was, it was built. But bottom line is to to, to pay off two hundred thousand dollars, you really have to make three hundred thousand, you know profit to pay out because you're, you're paying with after tax money. Now I, I didn't understand this. I've never bought, never bought a business before. Right. But, but either way, it took 300,000 to pay 200,000. Well, the business was the first two years, we didn't make $300,000. 
So we, we were in, in tough shape for, for, for the first couple of years. So, so what I had to figure out was how do I get to you know, 5 million, 6 million, 7 million revenues so that even at this lower percentage of net profit, doing things the way I thought were the right way to do it, right? That I could afford to pay this off. Mm-hmm. So, so then I had to think about, you know, beyond normal, what am I going to do? Well, dri- there wasn't enough driveways in Northern Illinois to, 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 hit, to hit those revenues. So, so I said, okay, I, I did a few, my dad and I had done some parking lots and it was probably about 10%, 20% of what we did. But the revenues, of course, were much higher in parking lots than driveways. So we started marketing to, to parking lots and in all over Northern Illinois. And, and, and sure enough, you know, within a couple of years, we grew to 4 million in sales and, you know, doubled the, the size and, and uh, it was you know, starting to get more manageable. We could, we could pay this, pay off this business and, and buy some, you know, buy some used equipment here and there as we needed to, to grow. Uh, and then, then within uh, eight years or so, seven, eight years, we got to 6 million in revenues. So at 6 million in revenues, now we're making pretty good money. We, we, we're, it was, this is easy to pay off this, you know, the, the, this debt now. Yeah. And, and now I actually bought a few pieces of new equipment. That was pretty cool buying new Caterpillar equipment, right? It, uh, so, so it got to be exciting. We we're making, you know, great profits on 6 million. And then, uh, you know, the, then uh, the next hurdle came. And in, in, in 2001, 2002, uh, the unions became a, a big challenge. In, in the Chicagoland area, the unions are very strong. Um, and they, they basically said, actually 2001, the, they, they basically came to me and said, you need to join the unions. You're too big now. And I said, gosh, the union, why do I need to join you guys? I, I don't, I, we, my, I think my team members are happy. Uh, what, what good are you going to do us? Right. And they kind of gave us, gave me their pitch. I went to my, I read a little bit about labor law and, re, and, and realized that, gosh, you know what? It's not up to me. It's up to my employees. If they want to be in the union, all they can do is sign these cards and, and I've got to join the union if I'm going to stay in this business in the Chicagoland area. So sure enough, I uh, went to my, my team members and, and uh, told them all about this. And some of them had already been in this union and other unions and weren't happy uh, with, the, with the union uh, culture and said, we don't want any part of them. So uh, as a group, they said, absolutely not. We want nothing to do with them. So I said, gosh, this is America, man. I, I, my, my team members don't want any part of the unions. And I went back to them and said, you know, sorry, boys, we, we want nothing to do with you guys. You guys are, are I'm not fancy. And my, my team members aren't fancy. And this is America. We, we got to say it right, Gary. We can't America. lose. America. Yeah. <laughs> America. Yeah. But we can't lose. You know, yeah. how do you lose? I mean, everybody on board doesn't want to party you. Well, I realized how you can lose. And that was a big lesson. So for the next few years, fought the unions uh, tooth and nail. Um, and uh, we, we lost every bit of, of net worth we had. My wife and I, up to that point, you know, had, had established a nice net worth, right? Yeah. And, uh, and we lost every bit of it over the next three, two and a half years to, you know, two and a half, three years fighting that, that the union. Um, and, and, uh, but we didn't, we didn't admit we were losing. We, every day I'm saying, man, we're, it's another great day. We're kicking their butts, man. We're just kicking their butts. And, and my, my, my team, they, they were always concerned. Hey, everything okay? We're doing okay. So absolutely. We're kicking their butts. And at the same time I'm watching my, you know, my, my bank account dwindle. Um, I'm, I'm putting debt on my house that I didn't have on, on, on our commercial building. I didn't have, um, now then I start, start, you know, putting debt on our, our capital and our equipment. Um, by the end of three, you know, two and a half, two, two and a half to three years, um, we were, we were a net, uh, negative instead of a, instead of a very nice net worth of, you know, four or 5 million bucks. We were now a negative of, of, uh, you know, 700, my estimation is 700,000 a million bucks. Wow. And over that time I communicated with my bank. They saw what was going on. Uh, but either way we, we signed a contract with the unions finally, um, and, and in 2004, started our, 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 our uh, started up our business in, in, in that year as a union company in, in, in paving parking lots. 
Um, we signed a deal that that uh, we you know that would say we, you know when paving parking lots we're a union company if we want to work and, and we want to start up other businesses and we had two other businesses at the time these other two businesses are in non-union markets they're going to stay non-union and uh, and they agreed to that um, so so the unions became our partners and and today uh, they're still our partners in the Chicago uh, Chicago area in our in our in our biggest biggest growing business over the last uh, you know 15 years uh, let's say it'd be more like uh, 14 years I guess since that. Um, but but either way, so now we had all this debt in 2004, beginning of 2004. Didn't didn't uh, have it didn't have any net worth, and the bank was saying, okay, now you you figure this out. We're, we're going to give you a little bit of a little bit of leeway, but not a lot. So let me ask you a quick question. Uh, when it comes to you being a leader at the time, that doing that five year tenure, um, it seemed like you had a, an amazing positive mental attitude as a CEO, and I could just imagine me losing million dollars every six months i don't necessarily know how he's saying this so common i'm like <laughs> quietly having a panic attack <laughs> so how from a from a perspective because that's an emotional intelligence honestly like that's an emotional mindset like how to stay positive when things are necessarily not going the way how do you do that yeah, as so, a leader so for me for me you know we had tough days tw- tough nights i didn't sleep sleep a lot we had a lot of crazy stuff that went on and someday i'll write a book about it because it was crazy <laughs> that you can you could actually have these things happen in today's environment right yeah. the type of threats the type of the type of uh um challenges we had on a daily basis right and and but but again i go back to marion right if i didn't have a great wife at home i, I mean I, I would tell cheryl i'd say hey you know, we're losing money at, at, a, at a crazy pace right now. Are you, you okay, honey? We're going to continue to fight this. She says, you know, if we got to go back to the first house we bought, $70,000 house we bought back in, in, in 1985, um, we could do that. I can remodel it again and, and we'll be as happy there as we are in this big house we have today. So, so, so you know, ha- having a, a partner that, that did, this didn't affect me. I mean, she, she was affected. She saw, she, you know, she saw the changes we had to make yeah. financially and all that kind of stuff, but she, she was, uh, she was as tough as I was. And, and, and to have that as a partner compa- compared to a partner that might say, you lose this business and all this money, you're losing me too. Right. Oh, I mean, wow. that would be a different story, <laughs> wouldn't it? I mean, I, I would definitely not have been a, a, a confident guy that I was. So, so, you know, that was a big part of getting through it. And, and, uh, and, and I had, a, I always had a plan. My first plan for the first couple of years was we're going to kick their butts, man. We're, we're, we're going to get through this. We're going to kick their butts. My, my team members are only a part of them. And then the, the last year of the fight was, okay, now I got to create some leverage somewhere so I can sign a contract that'll actually allow us to stay in business. So that was, the, that was the last plan. The, the, the last year of the plan was figuring out how to, how to sign a contract with these partners I really didn't want. Um, uh, and, and stay in business. And that's what we, that's, what we figured out how to do. So that was, a, that's a long story, but an, you know, interesting story I could tell another time. Good deal. And, and so that, that was 2004, okay. 2005, we, we grew a lot. And, and by 2006, we, we had, uh, uh, we grew 200, 300%. You know, we went, we grew to, uh, over 20 million in revenues oh, within, wow. within a couple of years after that fight. That's awesome. And, and what, what that, what that, those le- lessons learned through that where, where I learned how to sell better than ever. I learned how to sell what what made us strong, you know, different different than our competition. And that back then it was, hey, we're non-union. Hire us because we're non-union. We're fighting the unions, and 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 our our costs are a little bit less, and we're going to be competitive, right? And that wasn't the great, greatest value proposition, you know, looking back. But it was a value proposition to sell the people that there were non-union co- contractors that wanted non-union union parking lots, and we, and there weren't many of us out there at the time. So that so that that was something. But I also learned a lot about labor law. 
So I, I read up about labor law, learned everything I could about labor law. And, and that's been a blessing because now when we work everywhere in the country today, we kind of, we understand labor law. So we go into market to understand, you know, what's the labor situation? You know, is it, is it Las Vegas where every casino must be done in a union environment or you're just not going to do the, do the job? They're just, they're as strong as any union in, in the, in the country. Uh, when it comes to the, the casino unions, right? If you're going to work for those casinos, you're going to be a union company. And if you work the, at the big, the big parking lot next door that, that doesn't, have, doesn't have any gambling in it, you can be non-union. It's a weird environment, but that's how it is, right? In, in other parts of the country, it's, it's, it's a very strong union in, in, in the East Coast and stuff like that. Not many markets that are as strong as Illinois. And when it comes to union union representation, um, but then when you're in non-union markets, how do you treat that differently? Because guess what? It's hard to find great labor in some of these non-union markets, right? In Chicago area, you, you can gripe all day long about uh, about the unions, but some of the best work ethic in the world, in my opinion, is is in the is in the Midwest. Midwest work you know work ethic is 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 better than most that I see. I agree. So not just because I'm so, in Chicago. But. So lots of lessons, right? <laughs> lots of lessons through that fight, and yeah. then, and then uh, and and we 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 put that in our rearview mirror, and and uh, you know we're we're partners with these unions today, and and uh, in in the in the Chicago market, and we uh, we get along with them pretty well. Um, not not. They're not fans of mine, and, and I'm not the <laughs> biggest fans of them, but that's that's the way it goes. So, Gary, if you don't mind me asking, like after the, after the union battle and you, you finally came to grips to realize, all right, you know what, I'm not trying to lose another million dollars <laughs> from that standpoint. Phase three, right? What did that look like? How did you how did you get to where you're at today? Uh, like, what does that look like after 2005? So, so we so we um, we grew a lot. So the the, the next. Uh, from from 2004 to 2013, so nine years, we grew to um, about a 200 million dollar uh, per year organization of companies. Um, we 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 purchased a couple companies and we grew the companies we had, and uh, and and it was all about growing, right? And and I I think at one point, uh, you know, pride got in the way. You know, growing these numbers and, and doing this this big volume was kind of cool, right? And gosh, we're at, now we're at 50 million, and nobody thought we'd get to 50 million revenues, and and now we're going to go 100 million. Well, that's cool. Now we're 100 million, and nobody thought we could do 100 million, and 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 we got prideful. I, I believe I more than anything got prideful, and 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 you know acquired a company that that we bought that I should never have bought. But uh, the owner of the company is a friend of mine, and he, you know his business was kind of struggling, and and I thought I could I could do better than he could do. I could take this business, and and, and my, me and my and our team could could do great things with it. We'll be profitable, even though he you know he just couldn't figure it out like we probably could, right? So that that was a prideful moment that that bit me later on. So in 2000, you know, 13, 14, we you know we we exceeded 200 million in sales, and 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 uh, in 2014, uh, the the Let's see. I'm trying to think of the time frame of this. 2000. So 2015. Okay, 2015 came along, and uh, you know we we were at you know 220 million in revenues at that point for all our businesses, and and uh, you know our profits were okay, but uh, the one of the businesses that we pridefully bought, I just mentioned, um, had a huge loss in a short period of time. So we lost about 15 million bucks. So when I think about my my, my stages of our, our of these these the, the course of these businesses, had three really tough times. One was you know in the time I didn't understand acquisitions, bought my dad out, and, and it wasn't easy. It was a tough time. And then the second one was you know fighting the unions. I thought it'd be easy. I got these I got all these team members that that don't want to be union. This is gonna be easy. This is America, right? It was a lot tougher than I thought. And the third time was losing a ton of money in a short period of time in in in, in 2015. 
And over eight month period, we lost 15 million in one business, a couple million dollars in another business. Wow. So $17 million. Now I, I'd never had this problem before, right? This is a new one. Um, so, so what did I do? We had to make tough decisions, right? We had, we had to scale down. We, we sold these, you know, two companies and the one was the one that cost us a ton there. And, and, uh, we had to scale down to a smaller business. We had to cut people that were good people. We had a, we, we, we had a, I had a whole C level, right? I got, got to this, 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 uh, bureaucratic organization with this whole C level. I had a CEO or a CFO. I had a COO. I had a, I had a president. I had a, you know, VP of, of HR, right. Had all these, this, this layer of, 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 you know, people that, you know, that I had to cut. Um, some of these people, you know, most of them, great people, um, you know, all of them, all of them, good people meaning well, but, but a couple probably underperformers. And, and, and so we did that. And then we had, then we had to cut a lot of back office too, to match up for the new businesses we were, that we had, right. We went from that to 220 million down to about a hundred million total businesses. Um, and, and we paid down debt. So my focus, our focus as a team was to pay down debt as fast as we could or, or not be in business in a year, in, in six months or a year, because our bank was going to continue to see this happen. Right. Um, so we did that. And, and, it, and it, it was an amazing, amazing path that we took. Um, and looking back, it was one of the greatest lessons I've ever had in my life. You talk about fiscal responsibility. Gosh, you know what? I wasn't that fiscally responsible, pridefully buying businesses I shouldn't have been buying. Right. Mm. Um, and so, so again, when I think about, uh, about these times and, and, and what's happened, you know, our, our, our core business, Rabine Paving, Rabine America, um, they're kicking butt now. We're, we're in great shape. You know, Crawford Roofing, our, our little roofing maintenance company always does well. You know, our snow business, Rabine Snow Pro is, you know, you know, good company. We've been doing that for a long time, too. We know these businesses well. Pipeview America. Pipeview America is a company where I've got we've got fast growing company with amazing leader, an amazing leader that understands uh, how to inspire others to be better than they would be otherwise. Right. So, so it's a great company. We're growing. It's a technology business where we put robots in the ground and we televise the condition of pipe underground for a lot of big utility companies across America. Um, XBE. XBE was a trucking company, dump truck company we had that we that, that I found a great partner who's who's a technology and strategy leader uh, for large companies. And uh, he came in and we, 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 we met and, and, and uh, basically knew there was a great fit. He's taken this company to be a, basically the Uber of dump trucks. So if you think of dump trucks, it's a large industry, and uh, and 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 Sean and I and our team has, have built this platform uh, to to basically be uh, the, the most technology-driven platform to, to organize dump trucks for big paving companies across America. So we've grown in two other markets besides Chicago in the last year. It's growing fast. Um, we got a company called Site. Site is a company my son uh, Austin is running. Austin has been a been a great entrepreneur in his young young business life. He's 31. Uh, was running our national business, Rabine America, doing a great job. Um, discovered a way to do assessments on pavements faster than anybody else in the world. And he does this using our subject matter experts, our engineers, combined with, with drones and satellite imagery um, with one more component, and that's machine learning, to condense the information that, that it, and the time it takes to do these assessments we can do them world, worldwide now. We're doing these assessments for Walmart, Home Depot, Lowe's, uh, some of the biggest, uh, you know, biggest build, building owners and, and therefore pavement owners in the world. So site is a business growing fast with great differentiation. Then, um, <clears throat> you know, Rabine Insurance Group is a great company that uh, we, we started because we've had issues with, with finding partners across America with the right insurance. We realized there's a big void there. We, we, we recruited an a insurance executive 
uh, to come in and run that with uh, Gabe, our, my, our son-in-law, Gabe, uh, who's an attorney. Um, that business is, is a startup business, a uh, new startup business is going to do really well. Um, you know, Bull Valley Golf Club, you know, we, for fun, we've got a few things that we're doing here, right? Bull Valley Golf Club is a fun, or, fun business. It's a, it's a championship style golf course in Northern Illinois that my wife and I, I purchased with a, a couple friends of ours uh, a few years back, seven years ago, and we've turned it around. It's a great, great place. And it's ranked what? Ranked in Well, Illinois. it's ranked the 30, 30th uh, toughest, or I say they, they call it the most challenge, 30th, 30th most challenging golf course in America in the top 50. So there's 50 golf courses in America that are rated the t- top 50 most challenging championship style golf courses. And Bull Valley is number 30 on that list. There's only three in, three in Illinois, <clears throat> only three in Illinois on that list. So it's a great golf course. Um, the pickiest golfers that want to play the greatest golf course or, you know, play this course. That's awesome. Bo, Bo Jackson's a buddy of mine and, and Bo's a picky guy when it comes to golf. He's a picky guy with everything. He wants to, you know, he, he, he's, I shouldn't say picky cause he's a really cool guy, but, but he, but when it comes to doing things he wants to do, he's not wasting any time. If he's going to play golf. He wants to play. If he's going to be a member of a golf club, it better be a great one. It better be one of the great, greatest courses you could play. And you know, that's why he plays Bull Valley. Um, but anyway, so, so another another mentor that I'll tell you, I can learn. You can anybody can learn a lot from is Bo Jackson. We can talk about that another time. But he's such a tremendous guy, and and uh, what a <clears throat> what a champion of a of a person besides a, a, maybe the best athlete ever, right? Um, so then then we have two nonprofits, True Mentors and, and Ray Bind Group Foundation. These two 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 nonprofits that that well, you know you know them very well because you help with Ray Bind Group Foundation whenever you're asked and whenever and when you volunteer. Uh, but then True Mentors, of course, that you're leading. Um, but, but all these things, all these businesses have, 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 if they don't differentiate they're they're, they're not going to be there years from now. Um, and, and I think about the growth now we're, we, again, we, we stuck at a hundred, 110 million in total revenues in these businesses the last few years. This year, we're going to grow 30 to 50% in the, in all these businesses. That's awesome. Cause now, now we've paid down all our debt, right? We've got very little debt compared to our, compared to the revenues we have today, um, paid down every bit of debt we took on three years ago and more. And uh, and we're in a position to to succeed and and to learn so much from those losses and those tough times, right? So when it comes to uh, uh, when it comes to acquisitions, like the one I did with my dad, I'm a little better that today than I used to be. Not not that Sam, I'm a master acquisitions person, you know, company or person, but we're way better at that today. When it comes to you, you know, understanding labor law, boy, we understand labor law way better than we did ever before. So those that lesson that cost me millions, it's hopefully going to pay off in the long run, right? And then and then when it comes to fiscal responsibility and, and prideful, prideful buying of companies or investing in businesses, right? We got to stop doing that. We got to, we're going to invest in businesses that we know well, uh, that, that we find passionate leaders to run. And that's who we are today, right? And again, when we, when we, when we look at these businesses, we, we, we have a, we, we're, we're passionate about everyone that I, that I see today. And, and so, of the of the 25 businesses we've started in the past, you know, 17, 18 years, um, there there's many that that didn't last. Uh, never have we claimed bankruptcy in any of them. Mm. We've had the opportunity to, and we and we we couldn't I, we couldn't stomach I couldn't stomach that, and my team would not feel good about that, right? Because when you claim bankruptcy, there's people that get hurt and and other businesses that might go under along with you, right? So so we've we've shut down businesses, we've sold some businesses. Um, uh, and we've had a lot of fun with, with the, the, the ones we learn the most from, right? The ones that we're most successful from, from the mistakes we make and the mistakes we learn from. So, Can, can I ask a question real quick? Um, and I think this is uh, sort of in the back of a lot of folks my age, uh, but you know, the 2008 recession that obviously was during this time span you're talking about, 
how did that affect your that, business? That, that's a great question. And, and I would, and I would say for anybody, um, one of the best lessons I, I, I can talk about is, is the, the lesson to create a, a, is as recession proof of a business as you possibly can. So in, in the, in the late nineties, I, we, we lost some money. There's a year we lost some money and, and I look back and I, 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 I read a book on, on the 80, 20 rule. And basically it talked about, you know, 80, 20 in your customers, figure out the 20% of your customers that deliver 80% of your value. And you know what? Fire some customers, charge them a little more money, whatever you got to do. You, you, you got to turn those, the, you, you got you to create more of those 20, top 20% customers, right? To survive and do well. So, so I evaluated my customers and I found that the customers that, that I was losing money with were often developers and general contractors who didn't care about a long-term relationship. And then I, and I, and there's a couple of general contractors and developers that, that I liked, had good relationships with and that cared about the relationships. But most of those general contractors and developers that I did work for back then could care less if Rabine was around and I survived tomorrow. So, so I looked and I said, gosh, well, who are the customers that are really delivering the value? So I, I realized it was, it was it were customers that relied on us being there year in, year out. Customers that, that needed our expertise to help them with their budgets, needed our expertise to help specify their pavement design and, and understand their problems, right? So, so it turned out to be facilities owners, big property owners and property managers, hospital systems and big corporations who needed somebody they can trust. So, so I said, golly, you know what? We're changing our, we're, you know, we pivoted then. We pivoted in a big way in the late 90s. And I said, right now it was, it was like 10% of our customers were delivering over 80% of our value. And I say that, you know, customers that were recurring customers, customers that cared about us, that paid us on time and, and customers that, that gave us 80% of our net profit probably. Okay. So I said, we're, we're pivoting. Went to my team and said, you know, team, we're pivoting. Here's what we're doing. We're going to go, going to go after long-term customers that care about us because we care about them to maintain properties long-term. So we started going after facilities back then. Within, within four years, 90% of our customers were those recurring customers, were customers that had budgets to spend on asphalt pavement and concrete pavement and stormwater and snow removal, right? Well, guess what? So 2007, eight came along and, and we were positioned 95% of our business was in that space. So we grew faster than anybody we've seen in our industry over that period of time, from 2008 through 2013, we grew faster than anybody we we saw in our industry because a lot of our competition were in that same space we were before, you know, working for customers that that, that were that were general contractors and developers. Well, guess what? There wasn't a lot of developing going on in 2008, 9, 10, 11. It was it was it was at the lowest level that I've ever seen. So unfortunately, many of my my friends in our industry, you know, really had tough times. Many of them went out of business. Um, some of them just downsized drastically until they, they weathered the storm, but we grew faster than we've ever grown before. So, so that, that was, uh, that, that was one of the best pivots we've ever made. And today I'll tell you, we we're still really, really focused on that space. That's, that's incredible. I, I, I know that you sometimes claim to not be that smart, but I think you're actually a genius. <laughs> you're, you're, you're a funny guy cause I am no genius. But but I I think I think the, you just the, make genius decisions. The, the, no, no, I think I think the value in, in in non not being educated. So I never went to college, right? And and I and I and I believe that not being the smartest guy in every room you walk into or a person in every room you walk into is a good thing if you realize that, right? If you think you're the smartest person in any room you walk into, 
man, you're missing out a lot. Yeah. You're missing out a lot in life. You're not learning from those people around you. And and education is different for everybody. My education is through mentorship and it's through 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 you know just just you know learning through business, right? And 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 relationships. Many people believe that that education has to be a four-year degree and then an MBA and maybe a doctor, right? That's that's the best of education. Well, you know what? I, I believe that's that's great for for some people, right? For me, it's been great not to be that educated, to be to be a person that never and and sincerely never believes I'm the smartest person in any room I walk into, and and I, I'm a slow learner. Believe me, it takes me. It, it I got to hit in the head a few times before I get <laughs> understand the problem. So, but but in in the long run. I do absorb information that I that I'm passionate about pretty fast, and and I, and and so so again I would say that one of the best lessons I, I can tell any of my men, mentees and fr- you know friends and, and and people I talk to is is if I if I think somebody thinks they're too smart I'm going to tell them that if, if if I have a friend of mine that, that walks in every every meeting thinking they're smarter than everyone in the room I'm going to I'm going to tell them that because it, it's it's terrible for their future if they sincerely believe that right <laughs> Amen. So how, how do they take that? <laughs> Well, you know, I, I, nice thing about, you know, getting up to, to in your 50s like I am, I'm not, I don't really care. If I think I'm saying, doing the right thing for that person long term, I'm just going to say it, right? And 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 sometimes I'm going to offend a friend of mine short term, but hopefully later on, they'll say, you know what? I appreciate the fact that you called me out, right? You're not always going to take it well right away. Um, and, and I, because I've noticed that in my life. I have friends, that, good friends of mine don't, don't, uh, uh, don't hold any punches, right? They tell me exactly what they think, and and I love those friends, and and those friends I'll 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 hold on the rest of my life because they challenge me. If 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 friends of mine or or people around me just tell me what I want to hear, man, that's that's not good. I, I'm just not going to learn a heck of a lot, right? If people don't challenge me, so I'm 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 a very competitive person, and and I like to be challenged. Um, I'm sure sometimes I might get a little bit, you know. Uh, you know, taken back by somebody's challenge here or there, but usually I'm pretty, I'm pretty appreciative of it in the long run. Yeah. You know? So differentiation. <laughs> That's so, what I smell. So differentiation. So for us to grow as fast as we did, right? Okay. So, so it was the mid nineties when I discovered 1994 or five, when we discovered some things in our industry that were totally different than anybody else. And, and, and these things separate ourselves so much that we could get work for customers that we couldn't get in with before. Mm-hmm. So we did this thing, Infrared, where, we, where we, we bought into this technology where we could heat up uh, parking lots, pavements. When, when you'd have a, a pothole, we could heat up this area, fix the structural problem first, heat up the area, add new asphalt, roll it, and you wouldn't have these saw-cut joints like you would on conventional patches. So infrared was something that we we used to get in the doors with with some customers. The, the actually at the time Northern Illinois Gas NICOR uh, was a customer that had a lot of a lot of issues patching driveways and parking lots because they would put run the gas line through, have to patch it, and then the customers would be kind of mad because they leave this this patch in their in their in their driveway, their parking lot. So I went to them and say, hey, man, we got this new technology. It's infrared. I can patch these things, and those customers are always going to be happy because they're going to be almost a, it'll be a seamless and almost unnoticeable patch when we're done. So they they started calling us whenever they didn't give us a contract, didn't let us bid on a contract, but they started calling me. Different different uh, supervisors for Nikor started calling us when they had problems, problem customers that were really picky, and uh, and that worked because then after after about a year or two of doing this, the the specialty work for them. They let us bid on their contract. Oh, that's awesome. So we did the same thing for Commonwealth Edison, Exelon, and 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 a couple other companies that, that valued the service. So we got in the door with customers we had never worked for otherwise. So I said, man, this differentiation thing is cool, right? So at the time, we we changed our slogan to discover the difference. 
because I wanted my, my team members my, my, uh, and my customers to ask, what the heck does this discover the difference mean? My team members, I wanted to describe what it means. It describes, you know, let's be different on a constant basis. Let's bring value-added differentiation to be better than our competition. So that was in the mid-90s. That's still our slogan today. And, and, and so differentiation is, is, has gone into so many directions in our businesses that, that, that we, are, we strive to be world-class. We strive to be world-class in every business we have. And if we can differentiate, right, and cause the, the right type of disruption, we can and we will be world-class in these businesses. So uh, every business we have, we can go over, but, but every business differentiates in some way. And if we can't differentiate, I, we, I, I say differentiate or die, right? Because if you don't differentiate, you are a commoditized product. Commoditized product is a product that your, your, you know, customers and, and, and the, the market will abuse, right? Just, just through, through price, you know, driven, um, uh, you know, just, you know, cheapest, cheapest awards, right? We're going to award the work to the people that are cheapest. We don't care what you got because you're like everybody else, right? And we don't want to be there. And we've discovered this through, through, through hard knocks too. We've, we've bought into businesses, started businesses that haven't been successful because mm-hmm. we've not been able to differentiate them. So. Can you explain why? Oh, I can explain, explain a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we, 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 so, so we have started uh, I, I, somewhere around 25 businesses in, oh. the, in the last, oh gosh, in the last uh, 15, let's say 18 years, I would say, about 25 different businesses. And today we have basically nine businesses, right? Most of them startups, some of those, we, so a couple of them that we invested in and, and, and uh, bought. But most of them are start- startups that we started, um, and and every single one that survives today has strong differentiation. The ones that have not survived didn't have a lot of differentiation. We couldn't figure out differentiation, right? How to differentiate, and we were we were again commoditized. Um, so we so we, we start from the from the beginning. Raymine Paving, the original business, is still in business today, and and you know the strongest of all of our companies. Um, strongest because we've got a team that's amazing. We've got leaders in this team that are amazing. We have, we have subject matter experts that are the best we think in the world. Um, you know, our, our team, our team uh, leaders and our engineers understand pavements and concrete and asphalt. Like we believe nobody else in the world. And, and we say that confidently because we network and we, we find mentorship and, and mentor and, and network with some of the best minds in the world in our industry. So we 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 we've, we've constantly uh, done so much to differentiate there. It's been amazing. But you know we're the only company that we know in the country that can engineer, construct, maintain concrete pavement or asphalt pavement on the biggest scale. So when I say that, a Walmart parking lot, a Home Depot parking lot, or a distribution center. Not only can we engineer that pavement and and give them the best mix designs and work with their engineering company, let's say to, to design the best longest life pavement in either concrete or asphalt, we can also install either one of them faster than anybody else in the country at higher quality and higher safety than anyone in the country, right? So, so we've differentiated so strongly there to become world-class. It's been a blast. And that business continually grows today like, uh, like nobody else in that space. That's awesome. Um, cool. As we, as we get into a winding down point, I know one of the things that I think is most important is the fact of and I think for any person who starts a business, their whole goal is to leave a legacy, you know, um, and philanthropic opportunities is definitely extremely important to you and your wife. And um, so, you know, if you could like speak on 
you know, why you go above and beyond. Because I think there's a difference between wanting to be successful and then really actually wanting to have significance. And I think you and your wife definitely do that quite well. Yeah. So, so again, my, my partner, Cheryl, has been, has been the driving force behind giving back in many years. And our, 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 when we were very small, um, she gave back, she, she gave back more than we can afford some years. And I, at the end of the year, we'd look back and say, man, we didn't make any money, babe. And, uh, <laughs> we gave away a pretty good junk of dough. Right. And, and other years we, we, you know, another year later we'd say, gosh, we, we kicked butt. We, we made some great money here. And, and, uh, gosh, we, and she'd say, we didn't give hardly anything away. We didn't invest in our, in our, in our community, our church, or, you know, the, any, any causes we believe in. And so we'd be back and forth, right? We'd be inconsistent. So about 12 years ago, we started the Rayvine Group Foundation with a, with a concept of, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna have organized giving, and 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 we're gonna we're gonna make sure that we have on an annual basis, you know, funds to give to the the the, the causes we believe in the most. And so that was a that was an awesome uh, an awesome start of a great organization. And that organization t- today has grown to be really a nice organization. We do some really fun things, and mostly led by uh, Cheryl and my, my daughter Janelle, and then many board members from our from our all, all across our businesses. Um, they, they find causes that, that they know that that meet our our, our values, and, and they and then they invest in them. Um, but, but again, here's so here's here's the thing. Um, so think about the, the the inconsistent giving that we were before. And my wife believed as a, as Catholics, we don't tell people about this. That's bragging, right? You don't t- tell people about what you give and how, what you support. You know what I mean? I'm I'm more more of the bragging type of guy, and, I, and, and she knows that. You know, and I and I like to tell people about the cool stuff we're doing because you know it 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 costs money to give this to, to invest in these things, and like to tell people what we're doing, right? So she didn't agree with that, so we didn't talk about it much. And 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 at one point we looked into this thing called uh, corporate social responsibility when we started this foundation. Corporate social responsibility says. Uh, so corporate social responsibility basically says that you should talk about these things. You should make sure your team members know this, your vendors know this, and your customers know what your causes are that you believe in. If you do, they're going to they're gonna want to be part of it more, right? So I read this stuff. I said, honey, I told you we should be bragging about this. <laughs> and she goes, ah, I still don't feel comfortable with it, but I guess if that's, uh, I guess it makes sense. If it can grow it more because of it, uh, then I guess it's okay. So I thought, yeah, all right, I got to win here. <laughs> so Rayban Group Foundation started and we were able to talk about what we, what we've invested in and, and, and what we're going to, what we believed in. And we do that still today. And our, and our, I, I'm confident that the money we invest in it, it it's a you know, few percent of our, of our profits go to these these causes on an annual basis, and it's become a really nice ni- nice amount of uh, investing that we do every year. But the but probably the biggest value is is the type of people we attract in our organization. So our organization, our culture is stronger than it's ever been before. Our core values are very strong today, and, and we we live by them. Um, but but it, but besides the core values, it's this giving uh, culture that we've created. And and I believe that in at the Raybine Group, if if you come in and visit us anytime, you're going to find people that are always reaching out, say, "Can I help you? Hey, can I get you something to drink? Has anybody helped you?" Um, and if you're an employee in in one of our companies. You're, you're going to, you're, I, th- I believe that you're going to hear people reaching across the, uh, the, the office say, Hey, can I help you with that? Or you need me to stay late. If you're going to work on that, I can help you. Um, we have more giving, uh, in our business when it comes to, uh, time and talent with each other as we do outside organization with the cause we believe in. So I think that value alone is, is way worth what we're investing in our causes. So even if we were, even if we we're selfish, um, selfish people that didn't care about anybody but ourselves, 
we'd be crazy not to have a foundation. And I, I would recommend to anybody, right? Start your own foundation. Even if it's a $500 a year that you're going to, you're going you're gonna to give within that foundation or it's 500,000, whatever it is, have an organized, organized path to giving and you're going to create an amazing organization culturally. Good deal. Um, Awesome. Well, one of the things uh, and that even through our uh, mentee-mentor relationship that you always talk about, and I love, I would love for you to dive more into it, is, is about, uh, the, in my opinion, the three things that have made you extremely successful, which is passion, grit, and you always talked about differentiation, right? Um, but passion you and grit. You said that really well. That <laughs> I'm still working on it. I still have to learn. Uh, but, you know, I think people have a misconception of what passion is, but I, and also I, I don't necessarily know if grit can be trained or should I say you either have it or you don't, but I would like for you to, you know, expound on that because I know those are three characteristics that if I talk to anybody and ask them, Hey, who is Gary Rabine? Passion, grit, and he knows how to be different, you know? So, yeah, you know, so, so for me, if you're not passionate about what you're doing in your life, you know, it, life is just way too short, right? He, it, it's, it's, if you're passionate about what you do, you'll never work another day in your life. I mean, that's something I sincerely believe. I don't, I don't, I work, I work a lot of hours, but I don't work. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm having fun every day. I love what I do. I love the people. I love, I love our customers, our employees, uh, our, 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 our vendors. I mean, I'm telling you, I have a lot of fun because I deal with people that I, I love, that I love and I love dealing with. So passion, if you're passionate about what you do, you never work another day. I, I, I mean, and if you're passionate about things that nobody else is, that's kind of cool. That's an advantage. So, so gosh, anybody can be, be, be passionate about, uh, you know, the medical industry and saving lives and all the cool things you can do there. Anybody can be passionate about, you know, high tech and all the cool things you do in high tech to change the world. But man, not a lot of people are passionate about paving asphalt and pouring concrete. And if you can be, man, there, there's some great opportunities. So that, so, so I, I like passion uh, in, in, in things that not everybody else is passionate about. Um, and I think there's the biggest opportunities are there. So, so then, then there's grit. So grit, I, I've been blessed with, with growing up with, with a, with a, a father that, that, you know, displayed grit, right. And, and taught us grit. And, and I grew up in, 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 uh, you know, doing tough jobs. And then I've had some dirty, dirty jobs in my life. I mean, I, <laughs> Uh, I can tell you some fun stories about some dirty, dirty jobs, but, uh, you know, example is my dad did sewer hookups. My dad did sewer hookups in, because in the area of Fox Lake, they, 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 the chain of lakes, all, all the sewers went out into the lake pretty, or I shouldn't say it, they're septic fields that leached out into the lakes. So very, very, uh, um, septic infested waters that we swam in and bathed in and all that. Right. And we, and that's a whole nother story. We bathed in this water too, <laughs> but bottom line is, you know, we didn't realize it. it. It was just, you know, it just was what it was. Yeah. But my dad took on this role of putting sewers in, and, and he had me in the in the trench, right? While he, while while I'm, I'm, I'm he he taught me how to put pipe together and glue it together, and and, and you know set the couplings and glue the couplings on, and and I'd be in these in the in this in, in sewage up to you know a foot two foot. And flies would be biting wherever the wherever that sewage level was. Flies, big flies would be biting at you, and like slapping flies, right? And 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 uh, and and you you would have these rubber boots, but usually they didn't work out too well, and the, and the stuff went over the rubber boots in oh, your shoes. Oh, that's and, nasty. And, but the, but the, that's nothing. The nasty part was <laughs> when the banks when the, when the banks of the trench would cave in, and and you'd have you know two foot of sewage, right? And you'd be down trying to set a set a piece of pipe, right, in a coupling, and and the and the, the wall of the bank would collapse. And you would get saturated with the sewage in your mouth, in your eyes, right? And and my dad would be so up. So graphic. My dad, my dad would be up in the back, go saying, he, 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 "Quit your whining, get, quit your whining, and get that pipe, that pipe set." 
And, uh, you know, I, I, it, it, there was no time to whine and all that. But, but that was, that's a dirty job, right? And people yeah. do this every, stuff every day. Um, so, so either way, we did a lot of dirty jobs, and that, that was one to remember. But, but uh, and I, I believe this dirty work create, creates some grit that you might not have otherwise. So if you don't have grit and you didn't get grit through your, your upbringing, my, I, I've got friends of mine are tough as nails that, that grew up in a, in a, in a pretty nice uh, upbringing with some money and all that. But you know what? They 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 were taught work ethic, and they, and they and today they're they're triathlon triathletes, right? They're establishing their own grid, and so they're tough. They don't have, they didn't have to be born born in a in a, in a uh, rougher family. They're just tough, and they got grit. And the lasting differentiation, I, I'll say it all day long: differentiate or die, man. If you if you don't differentiate in your in your business, you're commoditized. So everything we do, we'll do that. We'll differentiate. We so do. those are the three things I believe in. Awesome, awesome. Well, um. I mean, I'm, I'm, I know I'm getting a lot out of this and I've heard your story multiple times, you know, so I'm so excited for CEO Dish Digger. I'm so excited to be on, be a partner with you in it. And as you start hosting, um, why don't you tell people just a couple of the CEO special guests that we plan on having, um, throughout some of the series as we, as we, uh, tie up everything. You know what? Um, I couldn't tell you. I'd have to kill you if I told you. These, these are all going to be, uh, you know, hot. These are gonna be all going to be, you know, people that that started, either started with nothing or know the story of that business starting from nothing, right? And these are all going to be stories about about uh, you know the vision, the visionary, um, as as well as the the execution, right? I mean, um, vi- vision's great, passion's great, all that stuff is great, but if you don't have execution behind it, you don't have anything. And so you're going to hear about you're going to hear about. Uh, some some great visionaries um, that started and grew something of of size that 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 created a benefit in the lives of so many people. So that so, so you know business is great, but if you if your business is a selfish business, I'm not sure it's going to be very successful. And I, I've not seen many businesses that have been very successful. They're selfish. Um, I believe that that you know the far far majority, the vast majority of, of business leaders that are that are successful, are givers. I mean, they, they they love seeing other people succeed and, and prosper. Um, they love they love a, they love providing a value proposition that that serves also. So I, I, I I'm telling you, there's gonna be some awesome awesome name. I don't want to say any names because I I want to I want to bring them on uh, one at a time. And uh, but but you're gonna see some big names. And and I and I can't wait to uh, to interview them myself because because to, to listen to them will be a lot of fun. And some of them I, I know well, some of them I don't know that well. There we go. So, so, so with Ditch Digger CEO, I believe it can be as, as value as all these other organizations that, that I'm part of. Um, Ditch Digger CEO with the stories we can tell from the friends acro- across America and across the globe that I, that I can interview that have started something from nothing and grown it to something that serves so many others could, could be a great example to young people all over. Well, and I, and I believe that without... Without being able to envision somebody else's experience, it's hard to, to, to have a vision of your own. So I, I know that you know my success has been due to you know seeing other people's success and understanding how they created the success and how they scaled that success and served how they serve so many people in, in creating their success. And and my hope is that Ditch Digger CEO is a show that can help young people anywhere in any situation they might be in, right? Help them help them think differently. Think beyond what what their community or their family or their, their friends around them think they can do. Right? Um, I think everybody has this box that they're put in by the, by whether it be their family, their community, um, the people around them. And and there's if if they don't have 
the vision of, of, of what other people have done to get outside the box and, and expand their horizon and, and, and grow to places that nobody expected, eh, that it's, it, they, they may never get there, right? But when you, when you can inspire a young mind or any mind, right, and, and, and get them to think differently and beyond what, what, what they've been pigeonholed into, um, I think it's a cool thing you know, to, to think about. If we can do that, then, then we're serving you know, young people and, and aspiring uh, entrepreneurs everywhere. That's our goal. Good deal. Well, we got some of the Quentin true takeaways. Obviously, for one, some of the things I've heard, which I'm pretty sure everybody said, get your notepads ready. One, fiscal responsibility is a key to success. Um, as obviously, if you heard Gary's story, that's one of the things he talks about. Get the right people on the bus or in alignment, family or not. It doesn't necessarily matter who they are. If they're not in alignment with you, get them off your bus immediately. Have a strong partner through the ups and downs. Um, and that's really critical. And it's, it's good to see uh, 32 years of, of, of strength is amazing. Um, give, serve, and talk about it. Do not be weak in the mindset of thinking what other people are going to think. People want to know that there's great people out there giving. Uh, he said it multiple times before, differentiate or die. But most importantly, he just gave you all a nugget that I hope you all realize. If you don't have execution, you don't have anything. So these are Quentin's true takeaways. Get ready for the CEO Ditch Digger series. I'm so blessed to have the opportunity to be with Chris and, and, and be in this specific position, my man. And uh, thank you for bringing me along. And I uh, hope you all are ready for this series, man. It's about to be top notch. All right. So um, last last thing to say, Gary. Well, thank thank you, Q. I appreciate you and, and all you do for, for us and our organization here and, and true mentors. And uh, Chris, thank you for uh, for pushing us along and getting this going. I appreciate it. Till next time, you all. See you later. See ya. If you enjoy this show, please share it with anyone else you think will find value here. And please go to our website, ditchdiggerceo.com, for show notes, links, video clips, and more nuggets of entrepreneurial wisdom. Don't forget to follow me on social media at ditchdiggerceo and at Gary Rabine. If you listen to our show and want to become more successful, you will become more successful. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Entrepreneurship, scaling business plans. Then I became the CEO man. We're blessed to build a business in America where soldiers fight for our freedom every day. Dad's work ethic was taught from the seat of a gravel truck rolling down highways. Entrepreneurship, scaling business plans Then I became the CEO man